Thank you for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues, Sarah Beatty and Jordan Sherman. And you may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity. When you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not. Creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD hemp and medical marijuana brand. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders and reporters in the CBD, hemp, and medical marijuana space. You'll learn how Brand Protection PR can help your CBD, hemp, or medical marijuana business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. Welcome to the Move the Stairs podcast, episode 67. We are recording on Thursday, June 2nd, 2022, and we are delighted that you're joining us today. Today, we're going to be joined by Greg Wilson, who's the owner of Fibonacci LLC and the maker of Hempwood. We're so excited to talk to him. And Hempwood is changing the building scene, and, and he's going to show us, and for those of you that are listening, he's going to talk us through um, not only what he's doing, but how he's protecting his brand. And we're going to ask Greg about building customer loyalty and how he's using influencers to build trust in this new product area. Well, and we're also going to talk to Greg about using media to move his message and to teach about this new concept that's not only for building, but also, I can't wait for you guys to see this. I hope that lots of people are watching this or are going to catch it on YouTube. Because um, they use hemp wood for furniture, picture frames, um, wine stoppers he just showed us, um, flooring, everything. Wait till you see it, you guys. Anything you want to build, um, hemp wood is, is a way to do it and do it sustainably. And like any uh, hemp area and hemp in the hemp industry, you're going to have challenges, but also those challenges could lead to opportunities. So we're excited to uh, pick Greg's brain about what he is looking forward to in the next six months and how he's going to address it for the betterment of his brand. Awesome. So let's get started. Greg Wilson, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, everybody from uh, sunny Kentucky. All right. Hey, we know, uh, and you know more than anyone, that one of the biggest challenges for any hemp, um, especially these new companies like yours, or newer in the in the building industry space, um, one of the biggest challenges is building customer loyalty. So what I want to start out with is how you tell your story and connect with customers and keep that conversation going that's one of the most important parts of building customer loyalty. So can you talk to us about how you came up with the idea for Hempwood and why you're so passionate about it? What I love is that you are so passionate about it. Give us a give us the lowdown. Well, I have to say first that my wife let me do it. This is Bing right here behind us. And so without her saying, yeah, you can try something crazy and go sell all of our personal assets and move to a state you've never been from. We actually moved here from China uh, to Kentucky. Um, it wouldn't have been a reality. But the reason that we do is because of the environment. So if you have a why, you can get through just about any how. 
and it might look a little bit different than what you expected. And I did steal that line from somebody else. I don't even know who, but I'll give credit to whoever it was. Simon just, Sinek. I know who exactly <laughs> who said that. That's who said it. Fair enough. It just stuck. I heard it somewhere and I was like, wow, yep. that's it. Because with Hempwood, I'm an outdoors guy. I live on an organic farm in Western Kentucky. I'm not a farmer. But before this, I lived in the bamboo forest in China. And we did bamboo flooring. And I love hiking and biking and camping and bow hunting and fishing and growing my own food and knowing what's around me. Um, it might sound a little crude, but I'd prefer to pee outside than in a bathroom. And that's just kind of <laughs> the way it is. And We I all do, do. Greg. <laughs> No, not all of us. Jordan, just... <laughs> anyway. you going to weigh in on this one? Uh, I, I have your back, Greg. Absolutely. 100%. But... And that's the end of that conversation. Okay. <laughs> so in wanting to have the outdoors, but I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't grow up on a big piece of land. You realize what humans are doing to their environment. And Mother Nature is not going to lose. We'll just be kind of a blip in the radar like the dinosaurs. Or they'll find some sort of a bone and they'll find probably a, the steering wheel of a pickup truck and be like, huh, look at this. What is this thing? And try to piece it together. But if we try to figure out how to do it more efficiently and effectively, you either have to have less people or use less stuff or have stuff that uses less input. That's, that's what you got to do. And there's no single answer there because if you cut your population in half, all of a sudden there's less people than what needs to get done. And if you try to just switch everything straight from, say, petrochemical to organic matter in any circumstance, it's not a smooth transition and you're going to have $5 gallon in gas. So you have to figure out a smart way of doing it where you can use a more efficient input that can keep things stable. An example, example, just like we talked about petrochemicals, if you use ethanol, which comes from corn or beans or whatever, rather than a hundred percent petrochemical, then you can dilute it down and move it in the right direction. And so with hempwood, we love the forest. We love the outdoors. We actually have forestry that happens on the farm that we live on. And that farm has someone who comes through and selectively harvest the high-end older trees on the forest every 10 years and then marks the ones that are going to come for the next 10 years. And it allows that canopy to regrow. And it allows nature to kind of take its course because if you clear cut the forest, there's nothing left. Your flora and fauna and everything's gone. But if you go through and take out the 80-year-old oak tree and then leave the 20-year-old oak tree behind it, then that's going to grow up and fill that gap and do its thing. And the squirrel's still got a place to live and eat and do all that. So being a more successful, sustainable forestry practice and finding something that can fill some of those gaps is what Hempwood's all about because it pulls carbon from the air at a faster rate which is the hot topic and like we're not doing what we do with renewable energy and all that stuff because it's the hot topic we're, we did it a couple of years ago we built it in as a way that you could more efficiently and effectively operate what we're doing 
And the same way with the adhesives that we're using, because hemp grows faster than trees, pulls more carbon, it's more sustainable, but you don't want to cut down a forest to grow hemp. But you can put it in your crop rotation after beans or after corn. And it works well. It adds to the soil rather than pulls from. It pulls from the air, the carbon, throws that back in the soil. So, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Our, great. Let, let me ask you a question. I, I, I want to, because you talked about being more efficient and more effective. So I want to kind of turn this on its head a little bit and uh, ask you, especially when it comes back to customer loyalty, you're using influencers like Christina Hall from HGTV um, to really reach out to your target audience and educate them. Um, I'm interested in why you picked her. Did it have to do with efficiency and effectiveness? And and was there anything surprised you about working with her as a celebrity influencer? Yeah, she was really cool. I'm not very Hollywood. She found us and said, I want to be part of the solution. Very nice. And so one of our sales guys called and said, Greg, a TV star just ordered a floor and we're putting it in her house in Nashville. What are you doing Saturday? And I said, it sounds like I'm installing a floor. So we installed a floor in her house. And she had had samples for six months before that. And she actually said, she's like, I love the story. I love the idea. Not having a formaldehyde-based glue means that we use soy as our adhesive base. And so it makes it the healthiest material, the carbon-negative material that's made in the USA, the most sustainable thing you can get. She's like, but it wasn't really pretty. It wasn't my style. She's like, but while it sat on my desk, I looked at it and said, her job is making things look pretty. Her job is designing it into where it is a market-wide product. And she's like, and I just found an alternative to vinyl flooring that's locally made where she's filming a TV show called Christina in the Country. And she bought a house locally here. And she just kind of said, this is way too cool to not be involved. And I said, well, um, I, I'm not rich. I don't have a lot of money. She's like, don't worry. I don't want your money. I want to be involved. And wow. so she's been super cool. I installed a floor in her house and they took a bunch of pictures of it. And then she looked at me. She's like, man, you look like you've been working pretty hard. Um, they were taking photos of her with the flooring and everything. She's like, do you like tacos? I was like, heck yeah, who doesn't like tacos? So we ended up like, having tacos and riding side by side on her horse farm with her husband and my wife came down and we just hung out for the afternoon. So it was super cool to just see somebody that you would think is on a pedestal, just be a normal person. She came and visited and she's like, hey, I got into real estate, just like you're getting into this where there was, she explained her story. She's like, there's a real estate crash and she was flipping houses and somebody looked at her and said, you'd be pretty good on a TV show. And they did a little pilot run that got picked up. And she's like, I see that right here. She's wow. Like, so she's kind of paying it forward with you. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty cool. Uh, we've met a few times and it's going to be in her new show. She came and visited the factory and everything. So it was, um, it's been good. That's a great story. Well, and Greg, you know, last uh, on our last episode of the Move the Stairs podcast, we talked to another big supporter of yours, uh, Franny Tasia, Franny's Pharmacy, and you've actually um, had some of your products installed in her store buildouts uh, in some of her brick and mortar locations. So, you know, in, in thinking of Christina and thinking of Franny, how important is it to you to have 
um, leaders in the industry and even outside the industry supporting your small business? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we all band together. Franny is awesome. I saw her at a show probably a year, year and a half ago, and we were on a panel and I was like, I've read about you. She's like, I've read about you. I was like, you're pretty cool. She's like, you are too. We're like, well, we can be friends now. And six months later, she called up and was like, hey, I'm building some stores. Uh, the only problem is I'm going to be driving your way next week and I need to load up my truck to build my stores. I was like, uh, okay. So we worked through the weekend. We built her stuff. We loaded up her truck. And as she was leaving, she said, we're launching a new um, hemp food brand to go along with Franny's pharmacy and Franny's farm. And she's like, and I want you and your wife to come to the opening that we have of this. And they had like a dinner theater and it was, it was very Asheville. It was cool. Nice. And so my wife and I went over there and they put us up and um, now I see her every couple of months and we're just, we click, it works. You, I have just such a, um, an aw shucks way about you and which is like obviously makes friends all over the world, which is fabulous. But one of the things that is in the back of my mind here is um, how this translates to media relations. Cause one of the things we hear from clients all the time is like, I don't understand how to crack the code and like get media to pay attention to what I'm doing. And our job, we call it insider media relations. So like figuring out how to do that and build these relationships and take advantages of, of the opportunities that, that come your way. So my question is, do you have a, a formal media outreach plan? I mean, how do you, um, how do you gain media attention and how do you, put these incredible relationships together. Yes. Her name is Alyssa. She's 22 years old and she just graduated from Murray State University. So um, we do plan a lot here. I'm an absolute numbers guy. Alyssa, uh, when we said two years ago, we said we need to have a media plan. And so I called the dean of the ag school at Murray State University and said, give me your best intern. We need a media plan. And he said, I know exactly who to send over your way. And Alyssa was um, a senior. She did a year internship. Uh, maybe she was a junior during COVID. And she started working here. And within two or three months, I didn't even have to look over her shoulder and see what she was doing anymore. And so she handles all of our communication. Unless I put up some sort of crazy, funky little thing like you guys saw for my birthday this past weekend. Right. Um, if you just be yourself and be genuine, the world kind of works on vibrations and the universe and like string theory is a real thing. And so if you're doing right and trying to do well by doing good, then it kind of works and you have to have the right people that support you and you have to have the right team in place. And there's a whole lot of planning for that little tip of the iceberg that sticks out there. But I have a board of directors that we piece together very, very well, that everyone knows that Hempwood is a game-changing technology that can have a B after a number as far as its market cap. Your total addressable market that you're actually looking at is huge. I mean, you're talking trillions of dollars. And the ability to be able to get into there, planning for that, just like you're planning for the Fibonacci sequence being used in making hempwood, 
or sequestering carbon from the air, planning for that by putting the right people in place. And as long as they do what they're supposed to be doing, you can go concentrate on something else. So whenever I'm not the best at that specific field, like communication or like sales, you look around for who is and say, all right, put them in, let them do their thing. And I don't care if they're 20 years old or 60 years old, get the job done. I love so, that. It's, it really is. It's really looking for the best people. Although when you say you're not good at communications, I'm not sure I'm buying that. I'm just going to say that right now because you're doing really well and you tell great stories. Um, you know, one of the things that we do when we put a media plan together is we use the peso model and the P in peso stands for paid, like paying for um, boosting or advertorials. The E stands for earned media, which is where we reach out and we earn the trust of journalists to do the stories. The S is for shared, which is all of your social channels. But the O, the O is for owned. And you have your Hempwood Gazette, which um, you send out to your email list. And you do that very regularly. And it's it's pretty beefy. And I'm just wondering um, why you put that into the media mix. Is it worth the time that you put into it? Because just from what I've read, you put a lot of time into it. I mean, it's a real quality piece. So tell me a little bit about your decision to do that, please. So the Gazette started because Benjamin Franklin, who's my favorite founding father, used to write a Gazette. And so if you're trying to tell your story, writing something sticks around for centuries. And so it made sense to put together a storyboard to put out there. And me not being the best writer, actually, when I was going into college, I scored perfect on my math and my reading and writing weren't great. And they said, why should we in undergrad and then in grad school, I had the same thing in undergrad. They said, hey, um, why should we like, do you know another language? Why should we let you in here? And you're kind of you're going to be a B student. And I was like, I kind of messed around with not knowing other languages. And so I took that as a challenge to learn Chinese. And so. I studied engineering and learned Chinese and I lived there for 14 years um, after school. And then in, to get into Harvard for grad school, they had the same thing. And they said, well, your math is through the roof, but your reading and writing are average. Why should we let you in? And I pulled, oh, and then all of a sudden when I showed up for class, it said Greg Wilson, China underneath of my name. <laughs> I feel like I ripped off everybody that was in my different study groups and in my clusters because you were supposed to look at business cases in business school from different perspectives around the world. And they had a, a white guy with round eyes that was um, representing Asia. But just figuring out stuff like that, like I don't write the Gazette. I don't, honestly, I don't even proofread the Gazette. Alyssa does that. Uh -huh. And she does a fantastic job. The only question of the Gazette is not what's in it. It's how should the story be told? And her and I talked about it earlier today because she sent out our newest Gazette. And I said, hey, people don't read anymore. It's kind of pathetic. But would we meet, reach a wider audience if it was in a video mm -hmm. or if it was even a cartoon or something? And right. Alyssa's been working on a cartoon to tell the story of Hempwood. Just a little 30-second snippet, because that's all you can get somebody's attention for. And it might be a stick figure. I don't even know. I, I'll probably see it when it's done and ask her to kind of make my belly a little bit smaller or something in it. And then it'll go out. So 
as far as communications, it's her. You can say hi. She's right there. Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. <laughs> For those nice work. Listening, they're all in the same room. You can hear them in the background working hard. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. But no, we're that's good. Start up, and I still lose that's money, so I can't really. That's I mean? a very I, good thing. We like to hear people working, don't we, Jordan? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you're just so smooth when you talk, Greg, you know, so you have to have some sort of enjoyment, right? When you're, you know, being interviewed or uh, either on a podcast like ours, and I've seen you on other podcasts as well, or just speaking to a general news reporter, right? Um, you know, how do you just stay so composed and so genuine? You know, can you offer any advice for our listeners? Yeah, easy. Don't wear a collared shirt. Step number one, <laughs> um, dress and look how you want to so you feel comfortable. And the easiest part of all of this is you guys are approaching me to talk about something that I love. Yeah. And so I don't have to have a script. We've, we've had people that tried to have me read from a script for a video. And if you look at our origin story, you can see where they're trying to plant something in my mind. And I'm talking about it. And I'm kind of phasing out. Whereas with this... You guys want to know what's up here. Right. And what's up here is mayhem, but it just keeps going. And so I could talk for hours or days about making hempwood because that's all I do. I mean, I'll sleep right there. Let's pull down steps. I got air mattresses upstairs. So I literally put the hempwood flooring in our office, built the tables and desks after hours. And then can sleep upstairs when we're putting in a new piece of equipment. So the place doesn't burn down if we're putting in a new dryer oven or whatever. So this is my life's work. It's easy to talk about. That that is just one of the one of the notes I wrote down. And I, I think that's just so important that you know you can be so genuine because you're speaking from the heart about your work and you know, that's that's part of the reasons why we love doing these interviews and talking to people like you, Greg, because it's just so authentic and it, um, it hits us right in the feels, put it that way. <laughs> so um, speaking of uh, people who are passionate about their work, our next guest on the Moonstairs podcast, we're going to be speaking with Matt Walsh from Splish Naturals. And he recently had some of his products included in the swag bag at the Grammys. So we're excited to hear more about that story. But I want to get back to our story with Greg and move into uh, part three of our interview. Sarah? Well, yeah, Greg, we talk about all the time creating a resilient brand. Um, and, you know, like you just said, sleeping upstairs when you're installing a new dryer to make sure the building doesn't burn down in a way, is a great segue into this discussion because as we all are building businesses, um, you know, and trying to protect them and make sure that nothing burns down, figuratively, literally, whatever, <laughs> um, you know, you're, 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 we call it building brand protection and, you know, making sure that you have a really strong business that can weather threats and, and ideally prepare for the unexpected opportunities um, that might come your way. So one question I have for you is the housing industry is bonkers, berserk all over the entire country. I mean, builders are, you know, putting up new homes and apartments and condos and whatnot at a breakneck pace, but we have seen booms and busts in housing 
And we will again. So how are you preparing for changes that you anticipate coming up in the industry? Well, so as far as building a brand, where this kind of question started, the idea of Hempwood took longer to come up with than it did to build the mill. Because Hempwood is a trademarked word and logo for our company because we want to own the product as well as the category. And so you can't trademark bamboo where I come from because that's a natural plant, but you can trademark hemp wood because it's two completely different things mm -hmm. that you put together and then add in the Fibonacci sequence, the phi from the Greek alphabet in the logo and put green in there so you don't have to explain you're a sustainable company. So coming up with the brand and all that, that just came from 99designs, um, the website where you put a category out, put 500 bucks up, and the, the logo was a product of that. But the idea of doing Hempwood and having a capital H and a capital W was from research on how to be able to trademark something. So it wasn't just a word. It was two separate words put together, different colors, all of that stuff that could turn into the whole category. So that's where the branding idea comes from. And we've got patents on the process and all that stuff. But trying to prepare for weathering the storm of the mayhem that happens, there's no way to do that except for build your business and your life like a Lego set. And so having an engineering background, if you build something so you can move a piece here or move a piece there, when things change, then you're moving a piece, not a whole building. And like when my right-hand man, Charles, business partner, everything, he, I was the engineer, he was the machinist. When he died of COVID less than a year ago, that turned oh. the whole world upside down in here. August oh, I'm 12th. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I I got to see him while he was still in the COVID unit at the hospital. And that was freaking weird. I had like three layers of different stuff on me. And um, I learned how to give a eulogy at his funeral. I was up on stage and had to like kind of just stop before I cried in front of all the workers. Wow. But being able to build something almost modular as a business as well as a production process means that if somebody quits, I had somebody quit last week and you just powered the table into a conveyor and the problem was solved. Now it's not that easy to replace a person, but building something like that where you put a conveyor on top of the table that was already sitting there can give you an example of how to change those things or mm -hmm. being able to look at with flooring if things really go in the toilet with the economy or whatever, which they're going to, which is horrible, you have to have a financial backing, which is really hard to do. And so setting up your board of directors with somebody who says, Greg, if you promise me that you won't give up, I won't let you fail. It won't be happy. It won't be easy. But there's a backstop in place. You can maneuver. Mm -hmm. And so... I fully expect having to maneuver like right now as things are slowing down, which they are right now in the building industry for the last six to eight weeks. Right. Right. Um, we're selling our sawdust 
into the hemp plastics industry and it actually has the highest grade output, what's called engineering grade for plastics by using our sawdust because it's already pre-micronized when it comes off of the sander or the saw and dried because it goes to our dust collection system in the super sacks. And then grinding up our waste to turn into our energy or animal bedding and then being able to sell the biochar that comes out of that bio burner that's making our energy as well as looking at the product lines that you have and how to modify those to what the market can afford or wants. Like during COVID, we said, oh, I don't know what language you're allowed to use on here. So, oh, shoot. The, um, the building industry or manufacturers at that time, we were only making lumber for furniture or cabinetry for things like that. Just everybody stopped making stuff. But people got bored and fired up their garage workshops. And so we came out with kits where you can make a cabinet kit. People could buy a kit from us. We'd charge twice the price of just the raw material, but we'd cut it to almost ready to go, send it in a box that saved on shipping, and then they could assemble a hempwood cabinet or a hempwood table in their garage, and that kept us afloat. I suspect with a downturn in the value of a home, people are going to be more cost conscious. Mm -hmm. And in being more cost conscious right now, we're making a commercial grade, really high end product. Now we're getting the cost down by doing all of it vertically integrated in house from growing hemp to making wood, to turning it into flooring. We built our second mill last year to make the flooring ourselves, rather than have somebody else do it. And that allowed us to set up a dealer network. Well, flooring is based on the surface size Mm -hmm. not the thickness of it so you can muck around with what your profile or size of your flooring to get into a lower cost item for residential and so if the proverbial crap really hits the fan then maybe we have to make a residential product to go along with our commercial grade product and just see which one wins the race well and can i ask just a really quick question because one of the things that we talked about before we started that is really evident in how you are thinking about all of this all of these movable pieces is the name of your company fibonacci and so i want you to like briefly explain for people what that is and why you uh, have named your company Fibonacci Inc. That is nature's math equation. Behind pi, the second most common number in nature is phi, which is the adding together two numbers to equal the next. And that sequence goes on and it actually equates to like, 1.618, 1.618, blah, 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 a whole bunch of decimal places that never stop, just like pi. And so that's the carbon sequestration rate for plants, 161%. It is also the most efficient use of space. So just think about a plant like a vacuum. You're vacuuming up carbon from the air. That's the most efficient way of packing it together. And that's how the plant grows. So in looking at that, 
and writing this algorithm for making wood products after out of fast growing plant fibers in college in 2003, which is starting to show my age, then um, it's actually just a math equation. And it uses the Fibonacci sequence as the compression ratio for the most efficient use of space when compressing together a fast growing plant fiber, which has its cell walls reinforced with a plant-based binder or what we call a soy glue. So we don't use any of that crap formaldehyde because I have early stages lung cancer from working with formaldehyde in bamboo flooring in China. I've been hospitalized for it three times as recently as last September. I tried to go mountain climbing. I was I drew an elk tag in Colorado. So we went with my little brother and ended up in the hospital. Um, and they said, well, you don't have full lung capacity. Are you a smoker? And the answer is no. I was like, I, I worked with dirty glues making dirty building materials. So that was the whole why for not using dirty glue. The hemp is good for nature. The soy-based or plant-based adhesive instead of formaldehyde is good for people. And so kind of putting this whole thing together with take that plant, break it open, shove some soy proteins inside of there. We actually use water as the vehicle to drag those proteins into the hemp herd. And then we dry it back out, which is called biomimicry because it's like you're felling a tree in the woods and you dry it out before you cut it into a board. Well, we dry it out before we press it into a log and you make that log a rectangular piece. That way you have the least amount of wastage because it costs a lot to make the log. But if you don't got to cut a circle down into a rectangular thing that has corners on it, you save a lot of that inefficiencies and then it makes it cost competitive and we can press it together. And then we bake it in an oven like a loaf of bread and we even use uh, what's called vegetable oil, but soy oil as the release agent for the molds. So it pops out of that um, mold, just like a loaf of bread pops out of your pan. Um, then we let it rest for two weeks and cut it into a flooring and send it to our flooring mill downtown. So the Fibonacci sequence is the key to everything we do. And it allows us to come up with the slogan of Hempwood is carbon squared because it pulls carbon from the air at 161%, gets compressed times 161%, and then gets stored in your floor. And we give a carbon discount where we're buying the carbon credits from our customers and it's equal to $20 a ton where when our farmers needed to make more money to grow hemp, to compete with soy and corn this year, instead of fighting about it, what we said is, all right, we're buying the carbon credits with it. And they said, okay. And then we got to try to figure out how to monetize those carbon credits. And what it is, is we wanted to be able to sell our flooring at say $7.99 a square foot instead of eight bucks. And that penny is actually equal to $20 per ton of carbon stored. So we give a carbon credit discount. We get to save that carbon credit. And then we're in talks with Christina to be able to use that to offset the heavy carbon required to make her different building material line. So it becomes a marketing tool in the form of a discount, being able to price your product at a rate where it says, Seven ninety nine instead of eight bucks sounds a lot better, and that's that was Alyssa's idea, not mine. And then um, being able to use that with our celebrity um, brand ambassador 
to say, hey, look, she's not here to tell people what to do, but she's here to provide all of the different options that somebody might want to use, whether it's her wood flooring line or sustainable hemp wood flooring line or her affordable vinyl flooring line and say, you make a choice, but I can use the one that's far on the right to offset the one that's far on the left. Man, Greg, we could talk to you all day. Um, the way talk, I do think that, you know, the name of our um, podcast is Move the Stairs and you're moving everything. I just think it's fabulous what you're doing. So we're, we're thrilled. I can't tell you. It's, it's just fascinating. Um, I know that when we were talking right before we started the podcast, we talked a little bit about legislation that's out there, but part of brand protection and you are amazing at how you're constantly looking ahead and preparing for what's coming down the pike. Something that many business owners kind of shy away from, you're doing it in every level of your business, which is phenomenal. But I want to know what you think from a legislative standpoint are some of the challenges that the industry is going to see in the next six months. I'm not a big fan of politicians. They cause me to slow down when they come around here. So I am an independent. I can say some of our local politicians have been very good to us. Most of our national politicians don't really care. Now that's with the exception of Jamie Comer, who's our congressman here, who is one of the reasons we're in Western Kentucky, and Rand Paul, who actually cared enough to say, my constituents are being negatively affected by all of these policies that are getting rammed. Now, a lot of people don't agree with some stuff that he says. I get that. This is America. But he actually called me from the Senate floor on my cell phone and said, Greg, this is Greg Wilson, right? And told me about myself and told me what my problem was and says, you can trust that I'm doing everything in my power to try to solve that. So figuring out the government is something that I don't want to be involved with. What do I think is going to happen? it'll probably move more in the direction of what's right because good always wins and making a plant illegal because of what a scientist can turn it into isn't right. But where do you draw the line? I don't have enough time to think about that. I've already got enough on my plate. I, I don't know. I hope I never get into politics. Oh, you you keep doing what feeling. you're doing you for the industry, it? Greg. You might be forced into it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, I'd rather sleep upstairs. It's, so. it's a great point that you bring up, though. I mean, I, it makes me think of something you said earlier about string theory and how if you do the right thing, eventually the universe is going to provide. Um, so, you know, with that, what are some of the things that you're, you know, some of the opportunities out there that you're looking at? And you already mentioned, you know, a couple of the things that you've done, um, did during COVID, like uh, basically becoming the uh, the IKEA of hemp wood, which is freaking awesome. Um, and you also talked about how, with the recent and like extremely recent slowdown, probably because of higher interest rates in, in building and construction, um, you're selling the sawdust. So, what are the other opportunities that you've got on your whiteboard that you're just waiting to deploy, if need be, over the next six months? Um, as you're kind of looking toward the future. Oh boy, man, you really want to dig into this. So, <laughs> top of the list, we just started our Series A capital raise to be able to fund all these crazy ideas. 
And so what I did was over the last couple of years, the number one search term on Google for hempwood was how to invest in hempwood. So we just created a MailChimp account that we could send out a blast saying, hey, we're raising money. So we sent that out to our customers and we sent that out to our MailChimp account and put together a half a million bucks to the $3 million we're raising. But that will be you to fund moving our second facility, which makes the flooring, out of a tobacco co-op where we have to put all of the machinery about 10 feet off of the wall because the roof leaks that bad. Oh. But I get the place for 10 cents a square foot in rent. And so when one of my hemp growers said, hey, I've got this 20,000 square foot building that's full of 800,000 pounds of hemp just a year ago, a year and a half ago. And he said, as I sell this hemp biomass, you can set up a flooring line. And once you're using more than half of the building, you start paying the rent. So that's how I set up a flooring factory was I needed to figure out how to make my own flooring to make it less expensive and alleviate the supply chain stuff. Now we got to put on our big boy pants and move into a real building that has a loading dock that doesn't have a roof that leaks the whole perimeter that has an actual office in it. Because right now it's an old tobacco co-op built in 1947 that is in, I mean, you can make stuff in it, but that's about as best as you can say. In addition to that, we have purchased some a coding line to be able to automate our process and reduce our cost of goods significantly. And that needs a bigger building than what we're in. So by the time that arrives, I need to be in a bigger building to set that up. Then I can move the rest of it over, kind of like a set of Lego, Legos where you put in your coding line and you can send your semi-finished goods to there. And then while you're coding them, take that week or two to move the rest of the machinery over into that. So putting together funds to be able to move into a bigger building automating the process and instead of selling that sawdust we're going to put it into our own trex decking oh neat oh my gosh that's a wonderful idea i love that so that's what's on the horizon and then we got our patents approved and trademarks approved for structural hemp but i don't really know how i'm going to do that yet um we got a trademark on ohb oriented hemp board and we got a patent on making structural beams, panels, blocks, and boards. And it's going to lose a ton of money until we figure out how to do it more efficiently. But luckily, Oregon State is going wild about trying to do this. And I do most of my research with them. And so they have one of their professors, Dr. Simonson. And actually, Hempwood was kind of born on their campus secretly. This is a whole nother story. But they didn't allow hemp research. And I was doing my hemp research in the basement of the um, chemical engineering building there to use the soy-based adhesive because it was invented there. And when they opened their global hemp innovation center, they actually fished me out of the basement that day and threw me up on stage to say, look, we're even doing research here where just six months before that, they were afraid of losing their federal funding for right. the whole school right. in 2017, 2018, whatever it was. Um, and that's why we didn't set up hempwood in Oregon, because Murray State here that was growing the hemp said, heck, yeah, you want to set up business and make jobs. And Oregon State said, oh, we're worried about losing federal funding. Right. But then when it was time to announce it, Greg, drag Greg out and throw him up on stage and say, and research is already happening here. So Professor Simonson out there 
is doing the structural load bearing test right now on Hempwood. I'm confident that it'll be close. We'll have to make some tweaks. The issue is going to be the water resistance. We're going to have to come up with a way of making a plant-based adhesive more structurally as well as hydroproof in order to meet the specifications. And then all of a sudden you're attacking a $60 billion a year industry in the U.S. alone. And that's going to take some pretty big cojones to figure out. Um, if anybody can figure it out, I think probably it's you. So, um, especially after I'll, this interview. <laughs> I'll find the right people well, to I, do the parts that I'm not the best at. Well, exactly. And isn't that, isn't that one of the keys to business? So what a phenomenal interview. Greg, I can't tell you how much we've enjoyed this. We've enjoyed listening to you. You are... You're, you're forward thinking, but you're also, you prepare for what's coming down. Thank you so much. I think you're, you're such an industry leader, a thought leader, all the things that we love to talk about um, as far as building brand and protecting brand. You're really doing it um, as well as diversifying. I mean, we could go on and on, but thank you so much for spending time with us today. Hey, well, thank you. And if anybody wants to see what we're doing, go to hempwood.com. You can buy lumber which is a direct replacement for your face grade hardwoods like oaks, hickories, walnuts, maples. You can buy flooring, which does include stairs, like you guys are named after. You can put a set of hemp foot stairs in your house. Right. And actually, we put actually, up a I like that idea. steps on Instagram. And one of the Rockefeller family members commented that how beautiful they were. I was like, what? That's literally a Rockefeller. They named oysters after them, but they were really cool. Um, and we sell paneling, which people can make cabinetry and furniture out of. So if anybody wants to support the cause, the easiest way is to go on the website and buy either an architect or design pack, or it's called an architect and design pack, or a Christina's Choice, named after our new brand ambassador, Christina where you get to pick your own color of flooring so you can try to match it to your house and then inspire to do what you want to do with using hempwood in your house or in your office or in any of these places where you're going to use some sort of building material. Why not buy something that's locally made from sustainable sources that doesn't have these dirty VOC emissions? That is so, so great to know. Well, you've been amazing. Yep, absolutely. And, and there's a certain table I think I'm going to go look at on your, I saw on your website when I was there. So thank you so much. We hope you have a fabulous day. We've just so enjoyed talking to you. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Oh my gosh, you guys. I uh, think between Franny last week and Greg this week, um, <laughs> like, are there better examples of how to build customer loyalty? Because Franny last week was like, have a story and and be really clear about who you are and why you yep. are. And I think uh, Greg is just so, so passionate about what he's doing and why. And it just, I can't imagine a better tool for building customer loyalty. Yeah. And I, what I loved, and it kind of made me chuckle, um, <laughs> he asked him what he thought about you know, why are you so comfortable doing media interviews? And the advice he said is don't wear a collared shirt. <laughs> of course, I've got a collared shirt on. And, too. I know, got a collar in, on too. I felt yeah, that too. Okay. Working in television for nearly 10 years. I mean, it was a collared shirt every single day. 
Um, but there's something to be said about being very comfortable in your own skin and not trying to go out there and be somebody who you're not and being authentic to your true self um, in telling that story and in interviews. And I just, I was like, he's got it. I mean, <laughs> he just absolutely has it nailed. Um, and I, I thought that was fantastic, great advice for our Absolutely. listeners. I agree. And building your business, like you would build something out of Lego so you could move a piece as in move the stairs. Um, I thought hey. was one of the best things, one of the best analogies I've heard for building a resilient brand in a very, very long time. This was just a fabulous, fabulous time. So Greg Wilson with Hempwood was great. We want to thank him. Of course, Hempwood he is actually part of Fibonacci LLC, and the whole story about Fibonacci was fascinating. I hope that you were as fascinated as we were on the Move the Stairs podcast, and we really enjoyed talking to you today, and uh, we want to thank you for your time. We really appreciate that you listen and you watch, and we can't wait to talk to you again, so you have a great day. Thank you again for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase move the stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story, no excuses. And one night I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors. But what could I do? So I looked around and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients.